0: Good morning, morena, tena koto teniata, a big hello and welcome from me. It's a great privilege to be here this morning to uh, kick off this mini-series. And uh, I want to, uh, I've called it The Glorious Gospel. It's all about the glorious gospel. And uh, so I'm going to tell you my story about the Glorious Gospel, and it starts when I was a kid. You see, if you'd asked me, what is church when I was a kid, I had a very clear answer. Boring. (laughs) Church is boring. Mum and Dad, I don't want to go to Sunday school anymore. Okay, they said, and we stopped going to church. Not sure whether I really want to be remembered for that kind of leadership but they came back later. But I had this sense that I just wasn't doing things right. I wasn't meeting mom and dad's expectations. They, they weren't parents who um, told me a lot about what their expectations were or, or were really strict. I didn't feel, but I got this impression. I didn't, I didn't meet what I expected. And I was pretty sure I didn't meet what God expected. So I wasn't very comfortable with not going to Sunday school. So a friend of mine at my next school when I was in the first form, year seven it would be called now, wouldn't it, um, said to me, why don't you come to Crusaders? It's fun. I said, if it's fun, I'm up for fun. And I went along and we had outings and, and, and all sorts of fun things. And we also had the Bible, and worship, and then we went on holiday. We went to camp, and it wasn't called camp because it was in a girls' boarding school, right? And so it was called a house party, a house party. And uh, Arthur came along. Arthur was uh, an Anglican evangelist, not a curate, not a vicar, but an evangelist. And he, he spoke one evening and he gave a very clear message. He said, if you want to get right with God, which I did, you've got to do it his way, right? He talked about Naaman, the commander of the army of Assyria, the greatest military commander in the region. He got leprosy, the dreaded skin disease. He faced a future of social exclusion and dying in disfigurement and pain. But his servant girl said, oh, there's a guy in Israel who could heal you of that. And so off he went. And the guy sent his servant out to meet him. And he said, go and wash in, this, in the River Jordan seven times. And Naaman said, if getting rid of leprosy is about washing, we've got much better rivers where I come from in Damascus. But he did it, and he was healed. And so Arthur explained, if you want to receive... God's love and get right with God. You've got to do it his way. So I did it that night. I went to bed and I just knew the peace of God in my life. I knew I was born again because I'd asked Jesus to forgive me for my sin. I turned away from it and I, he came into my life and I was born again. And it was a wonderful experience. Well, let's fast forward to last year. And the dream that God gave me, because I woke up in the middle of the night, where it's four o'clock in the morning, and I was just lying there in the same sense of amazement and peace at this dream I had received. So I, th- I just felt prompted, i've got to write this down." So I got up, and, and what this prophetic word is is what I wrote down. I want you to imagine a world in which 10 generations Stand on the shoulders of those who go before them. It is a world where each generation embraces the revelation given before, then goes further. It's a generation that then urges the next generation onwards. What would the world look like? So I've come this morning to ask you a question How's your imagination going? How's your imagination going? Can you imagine, imagine what a revival would do if it was built on for ten generations? What songs would the choirs sing in Wales today? Can you imagine where a world where division is torn down, but then that's taken to all the other places where people are divided and opposed to one another? Can you imagine a world in which earthquake and disaster and disease becomes an opportunity to build something better together, not just make a profit? Can you imagine a world where the vulnerable are no longer used and abused? Can you imagine a world where you don't have to steal and fight just so you can eat and drink and earn respect? So God is saying to us, Because if you can imagine such a world, you can receive the promise I gave your father, Abraham, that you can be a blessing to that world. So what I want to do this morning, apart from just ask you how's your imagining going, is perhaps to go back to the Bible and say, well, is this dream really valid? What does the Bible have to say about the good news of the gospel that would give us a foundation to believe that God could do such a thing as that's in this dream. And so I felt God next took me, prompted me to read John 1, chapter 1, first chapter of the book of John. Again, I knew it very well, and uh, I came to verse 16, and uh, from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another, hey, if it's blessing's involved, I'm up for it. But that's not what I read. That's what's printed in my print, New International Version. But that's the old New International Version. If you go to the new New International Version, it says this. Out of his fullness. Wow. That's another order, isn't it? Not just out of his grace, but out of his majesty out of his holiness, out of his power, out of all who God is, he has given us, excuse me, turn the page, we have all, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Oh, well that's different. That's different. You mean that there was grace before, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, the good news of the gospel is we've been given replacement grace. I'm just holding on to that idea this morning, replacement grace. And the first thing I ask about this is, well, Lord, how could the Old Testament law, which brought so much judgment and condemnation, and which in Jesus' day was for the elite because the Pharisees and the Sadducees had analyzed the law and they had classified the law and there were hundreds of commandments you have to meet and just to make sure you didn't break all the important ones, they added some more. The only people who could keep this law were like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Paul said, with respect to the law, faultless. That's what his claim was, with respect to the law, faultless. But he said, I count that as rubbish compared to the joy of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. So it was for the elite. How could that be a grace? And I felt God said this. He said, the law shows you what a man or woman or a people, after my heart and character, would automatically value and do. It's a grace gift. It shows you that if you're like me, this is what you would do. And he said, when talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, you fathers, if uh, your children come to you and they say, can I have an egg? Would you give them a scorpion's egg or a snake egg instead? Of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It would never enter your mind, it would never enter your heart to do such a thing. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All right? You see, if the Old Testament law was don't give your kids poison when they come to you for food, we'd be home and dry. Because it's not in our nature to do that. Right? And if we had the nature of God, keeping the law would not be a great big deal but it certainly is for me. I don't know about you. But now we have new grace. We've received received a new gift. We have a new thing from the Lord, replacement grace, that means that we don't have to keep the law to get saved because we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That's really good. That's fantastic. And we're going to see how much bigger the gospel is than that, but let's stand there on top of that, but you see, it's grace and truth we've been given. If we were just given grace, that might become license to carry on doing all the old stuff, mightn't it? But we've been given truth as well. Truth stops grace, become license. But there are some pretty hard things in the New Testament, we're going to skip over them this morning, about the truth of what will build us up. If we didn't have grace, that might turn back into law again. And we might be ju- become judgmental and look down on others. We might even pray the Pharisees' prayer, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this man. But that's not what the gospel's about. So, let's, so then God took me to the Old Testament. And uh, I want to do three Old Testament verses before we get back to the New Testament to uh, show what he his plan A was in the beginning, right? What was God's plan A for planet Earth and his people? God said, let us make mankind in our image and after our likeness. Do you know you're not an accident? I think most of you do. It's not, we, it's not, we, it wasn't just chaos and randomness that brought about the human race. God said, let us. And then he did it. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, go and fill, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, the purpose of God, his plan A, is to fill the whole earth with his image. His purpose of God in plan A is that, is that we should rule and reign over the earth, that his image would rule and reign over the earth. In other words, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Genesis chapter 1, plan A. Right. But, of course... The people didn't do that, did they? God destroyed the world by a flood and set Noah and his family up to fill the earth. When Abraham came along, God called Abraham and set him apart to be a family that would bear his name. And then when the prophets came along, they foresaw a new agreement between God and his people. The days are coming, Jeremiah said, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like a co- the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with my people of Israel at that time. And I'm just blown away by this. Right? I'm just blown away by this. The covenant I will make at this time is I will put their law in, my, in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. You know, as a computer engineer for a 3,000-year-old piece of text, that is about as close as you can get to say you're going to get new software. Right? You're going to get a new program. And the new program knows the law and the heart wants to do it. In other words, what Jeremiah is prophesying is we're going to get a new nature. Actually, what it's saying is that if you, you're going to get the heart and character of God so that you can satisfy him. That's what Jeremiah is, is saying here. You see, one thing, just as an aside, we need to realise that we're not like an Apple MacBook or a Windows computer. When their software is downloaded, it never changes. It doesn't matter what you use the computer for, right? We're living creatures. We bear the image of God and the likeness of him, but if we apply ourselves to do the wrong kind of thing, it changes our, our software, We change, right? Paul talks about the old self that's being corrupted by its evil desires, for example. But if we will focus on the good things, then we'll change again. And we're going to come on and talk about that when we get to the New Testament. It says, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Jeremiah is proclaiming a gospel that is not for the elite, right? We're not preaching that the church has to be superhuman. You know, that if you rip Pete's shirt open, it's got big S in red and gold and blue because he's Superman. No, that's not the gospel. It's from the least to the greatest. Everyone will know God. How good is that? I think this is just so amazing. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Wow. I think think that's just an amazing picture of the gospel. We haven't got to Jesus yet. The prophets were faithful to the message that God gave them, even though they couldn't receive it. Here's another prophet, Isaiah 61 and verse 3. Can you imagine being in the synagogue in Nazareth when this old prophecy is read and the man stands up and says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this prophecy is for right now, today. For the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the celebrities and chief executives of the world. To the poor, he sent me to grind up the all blacks when they have a crunch tackle. No, the broken-hearted. And so it goes on. Proclaim freedom for the captives, release of darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the days of grace, the days of we didn't deserve it. We sung it this morning. We didn't we can't earn it, but God showers his love and grace on us anyway. What a gospel we've received today. It's just amazing. Right? And, uh, and, and what it's to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Wow. How good is that? A oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment in praise instead of a spirit of despair. This is the Father's heart and this is why J- Jesus came. But there is, this passage is not finished yet. Okay. Because it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Who? Who will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor? The poor, the brokenhearted, those in despair, those who are grieving and mourning and broken. That is the gospel of the prophets of the Old Testament. And I think that shows us that what God's saying to us through the Old Testament prophets is, if your imagination can imagine a world where the broken are set free, where the prisoners are set free and receive the oil of joy and the crown of beauty, then that's what the gospel's about. So let's have a look in the New Testament and see whether this stacks up with the New Testament. Is this what the New Testament says about the gospel? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7 is, taught, is, is headed the glory of the new covenant. Is the new covenant the new, a matter of glory? Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory when Moses came down from the mountain, so the Israelites could not look steadily at his face because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? You see, the new covenant is ministered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, unless I go back to the Father, I cannot send the Holy Spirit to you, or he cannot send the Holy Spirit to you. Forgive me if my memory is not accurate. But this is what Paul said, for what was glorious? The, the law that came through Moses. What was a grace gift? The law that came through Moses has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. Glory. Wow, we have received replacement grace and surpassing glory. Is that good? Yes, hallelujah indeed. Now where the Lord is and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What does that freedom word mean to you? Yes, freedom, freedom from, right? Freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, Freedom from punishment because when Jesus fully fulfilled the old covenant because he had the heart and character of God and satisfied God's requirements for us from the first generation of Adam and Eve to the last, he went to the cross and he took our shame and he took our guilt and he took our punishment and it was taken off us and it was put to him that we might be free. But in the context of this verse, we have to look at the next verse because actually what Paul's talking about here is not just freedom from, it's freedom to. Freedom to what? You know, is the gospel really about I've got an iPhone in my pocket and Jesus in my heart, I can now, I'm now free to do what I want. Is that Is that the gospel? iPhone in pocket, Jesus in my heart. I'm free to go and conquer the world now. Well, let's read the next verse, shall we? See if we think how accurate that vision might be. And we all who with unveiled faces, I've added together, contemplate the Lord's glory, we are together being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. We are free to become... Like Jesus Christ, that is the gospel. Nothing short, nothing less. That is the gospel of our God. We are free to become transformed into his image with ever increasing and glory. Wow, that is just amazing. That is just amazing. But let's look at the plurality of this. We, as we all together, contemplate his glory. We are being transformed together. Wow. You see, you can't be a Christian on your own because God is not on his own. If If you want to be transformed into the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have to do that in the context of the family of God because it's because it was God's desire to have many brothers and sisters for Jesus. All right. So we, I hope that Pete and Nat will pick up on this and we'll talk about what it means to do this together. Let's look at Romans. We may overshoot a few minutes. I hope that's going to be all right. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is one of our favorite verses, isn't it? I love this verse. Okay, I'm going through tough times. Things aren't working out the way I thought they would. I've had some losses, but it's okay. God is working to give me good in everything. What do we think of when we think of good? Well, guess what? It's in the next verse. For those God foreknew, he also chose to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, when the rich young man came to Jesus, he said, Good teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Only God is good. Only God is good. You see, he's going to give us the best good that you could ever have. Right? The greatest good he could ever do for us is to be conform us to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he chose, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. All that sin and shame and guilt has come off me onto Jesus. And that's so good. That really is so good. But it's not the last bit of the sentence. Right. The last bit of the sentence is he wants to glorify us with his goodness that the earth may be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea because people in his restored to his image fill the earth and they rule over it so that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Well um, Now, we'll go on and look at another verse in Romans very briefly. What does it mean to be conformed? See, here Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how we're going to become like Jesus, by the transformation and renewing of our mind. Then you will be able to test and know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, if we are given the heart and character of God, we will automatically know what his perfect will is. That's what Paul's saying here, right? And, and we will have a heart that desires to do it. Now, what does it mean to be conformed? You know that... Um, I wanted to give you an, an illustration, and I thought of spandex, but I'm not going there. Um, cars. When, when I was a teenager... Right, Farina, the designer from Italy, designed the most fabulous cars in the world, and here it is on the left: the Ferrari 250 GT. If you want to buy one of those today, you're going to have to shell out millions of dollars. That is a work of art, and that's a Ford console. <laughs> um, now, they both are made from the same sheet steel. Okay. Big roll of sheet steel, probably as high as this roof, in the factory, sheet steel is coming off like this, guillotines are going wham like that, they go into presses, whump, whump, and they come out bent. They come out conformed to the design of the designer. Right? And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants, to turn, he wants us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, just like uh, any... His desire is that we are a work of art. Now, these are both cars, right? They're both valuable, but one is a priceless work of art. That's what God's destiny for us. How good is that? Right, let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're getting there, we're getting there. Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, just like in the Old Testament, prophets, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow. God gives us gifts of people in people shape called apostles and prophets who equip us for works of service that bring us into the knowledge of Christ and so that we become, atta- we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How's your imagination this morning? Right? Is it big enough for what the gospel is all about? Could we imagine a dream being fulfilled? Right, so, uh, and then Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You see, don't be embarrassed about walking about in public. You're hidden in Christ. When when God looks at you, he sees Jesus because that's where we're hiding. Wonderful. I I just love that. I thought I'd throw that in. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he goes on with some truths to say, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which was being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. You see, when we, when we have this encounter with the living God where he saves us, he puts his life into us. We receive his life and our old life gets crucified with Christ and it's destined for the grave. Okay, But we have these two, two natures. Right, Paul talks about this a bit as well. You know, oh, the good that I would. I don't do the, the stuff I d- wish I didn't do. I find myself doing. Who's going to save me from this miserable body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Right, through Jesus Christ, because He gives us this new life, which is to be conformed to free. No, sorry, to the image of Jesus Christ. So I wonder this morning, is your gospel big enough, right? Is your imagination of what the gospel is big enough? Because we need to feed our imaginations if we're going to receive all that our Father has for us. And he's pursuing us this morning, right? He's on our case. He's hunting us down. We sang the song right he's not going to let us go till he has given us everything that he has in his heart for us so here's a summary of some of the things we've we've talked about that we might feed our imaginations right first of all together we're going to contemplate the lord's glory we're going to set our hearts and minds on things above we're going to be conformed to the image of his son not the world's pattern we're going to take off our old self with its practices and put on our new selves Together, we're going to become for equipped for works of service, so that we and our community, our nation and our world can become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of His splendor. Amen. Tell me, if you're excited by that, I wonder whether you'd stand with me this morning. I, let's just close our eyes and come before this wonderful God who's pursuing us to make him like himself. I want to uh, give you a prophetic word I received about this. It's like, it goes like this. I see an outbreak of righteousness and compassion among God's people. I see a people whose burning hunger and thirst for righteousness is satisfied, as Jesus promised. I see a people transformed and renewed to express themselves with courage and authenticity, with overflowing generosity and honor for all of God's creation, inclusively reaching out to and transforming their community, nation, and the whole earth with the blessing they have become. Could you join with me this morning and saying, hallelujah, Lord let it be. Can we say that this morning? Wow. Lord, we just wanna thank you for the amazing gift of your gospel through Jesus Christ, grace and truth. Lord, because you are hungering for a people who will be drawn to you by your love. Lord, convinced that you're going to do them good because you're going to recreate in them by the work of your Holy Spirit corporately together the image of Jesus Christ. And Lord, it's our heart and our desire this morning that you would restore the image of Jesus Christ in our community. Lord, we cry out for those who are dysfunctional, those who are lost, those who are poor, those who are imprisoned in their minds and or literally and Lord, say, Will you set your people free? Lord, will you make them oaks of righteousness that stand against every storm of life so they're no longer tossed to and fro? But Lord, that they receive and become just like you, a plant, they become plantings of the Lord for the display of your splendor. Come and do it this morning, Lord. Amen.